This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Thanks, Johnny, and good evening, everyone. It is lovely to have you with us. Um, really special warm welcome from, uh, from me, and it is great to have you with us, especially if you're uh, new or visiting uh, or been here 25 years. It's still good to have you with us. Uh, I'd love to just start our time by asking a question. Are you good at hide and seek? Yes, yes. Do you have like a go-to place to hide wherever it is that you play hide and seek? Yep, where is it? Sorry. Best in your family, Marty. You can be bold about this one. And where do you, do you have a specific hiding place? Yeah. Nice, nice. No, that's that's pretty good. I, I worked out one the other the other day because uh, I'm old and physically large. Um, people didn't expect me to manage to ninja myself into Josiah's wardrobe and and climb on his chest of drawers, but I managed to get in there the other day. It took them quite a way to find me, I have to say. Um, but hide and seek is a game that we love playing actually as a family. It's one of those games that that all four of us can actually uh, get into. Uh, and normally, because I've got a, a two and a half year old and, and a nearly five year old, um, normally it's pretty, let's be honest, a little bit easy, a little bit easy, playing with a two and a half year old, um, so he loves it. So normally we go looking throughout the house and we'll see, you know, legs sticking out um, behind the couch or it's really easy to see, or we'll hear the giggles of the kids giggling in their hiding spot and we kind of know where to go. Uh, obviously I'm a, I'm a dad so I do my counting and I'm like, oh no, where's Josiah gone? I can't see him. And then you'll hear somewhere, I'm here. And you're like, no, 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 it's not the point of, of hiding seeing, mate. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, he absolutely, he absolutely nailed it. So in our corridor, we've got a, a, a linen cupboard. And because we've recently moved, Kay was moving things around, and one of the shelves had actually been emptied and moved somewhere else. Uh, and so we're looking for him in all the normal spots, looking for the feet behind the couch, listening for the giggle, listening for the, I'm here, couldn't find him anywhere. Whip through the house, can't find him. Oh, dear. This is, we've lost a child. This is not a good situation. All right, let's get serious. Started opening wardrobes, um, looking uh, in, the lawn, uh, in, the, in the kitchen cupboard, and then finally to this linen cupboard. And on, on the second shelf, there he is, just he's ninja in, and he's full lying down, hands tucked in, eyes closed, because you can't see him if he can't see you. <laughs> and he looked so incredibly peaceful. And the game continued, and, and it was a great day. Um, but I really sense that God actually speak to me in that image um, of my son kind of retreating from the chaos and retreating from the busyness to get alone, to get to be with somewhere that's just peaceful and serene where he can rest. And it wasn't his uh, intention, uh, but God spoke to me saying, that is the kind of invitation that I'm extending to you, to come away, find a secret place with me. You see, uh, there is this phrase um, in the scriptures it's not used very often, this beautiful, captivating idea of the secret place, the secret place with God. And it comes from uh, Psalm 91 and a few others. Oh, can we see if we can get this one working? That'd be great. Um, Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. This idea that there is this place, there's this experience that we can have where we get to retreat from all the noise and from all the chaos, from all the community, and just get to go and be with God. 
And we see this be the normal, repeated pattern of Jesus throughout his life and his ministry, retreating from the crowds, even retreating from the disciples. Uh, there's even cases in the, in the gospel accounts where the disciples wake up in the next morning and they are, ah, where's Jesus gone? Don't even know where he's gone because he's retreated to go and to be in the secret place with God. And Jesus, as he teaches us about, well, what does it mean for us to pray? What does it mean for us to connect with God? Uh, he writes this in Matthew chapter 6, that when you do, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And your father will see what is done in secret and he will reward you. This idea of the secret place. What is the secret place? Well, it's just any time and any place where we retreat to be with the one that we love, the one who created us, the one who saved us, the one who redeemed us, our creator God, our Lord and our saviour. And so for us then, as, as those who believe, the secret place is a place that we want to run to regularly, frequently. We want to spend time there. We want to dwell there. We want to feel the absence of not spending time there, like we've missed out spending time with God. So the question tonight is very simply, is that your pattern? Do you run to the secret place? Do you spend time there? Do you dwell there? Do you encounter God from there? Well, speaking of places, uh, I'm new to this place called the Central Coast. So I'd love just to pick your brains for a minute. Is that okay? Have you guys got ideas? Where would you go, what kind of place would you go in the Central Coast if you wanted to have fun? Sydney. Don't say Sydney, because I've just come from there. <laughs> where would you go? You've got the weekend free, the sun's out, where would you go? What would you do? Where would you run to to have fun? The beach. The beach? Any in particular? No, any beach is good, yep. That's it? That's all you got? Caves Beach, very specifically. Yeah, that's the one. Okay, cool. Uh, where would you go to eat? Now, we have that in Sydney as well. Is there a Central Coast specific one? Or oh, that's where you'd go? So, who's that? Oh, is that you? <laughs> Place to be. All right, yep, yep, yep. yep. Kicking chicken. Yep, yep. I've been there. I too have experienced the glory of the dipping sauces. Yep, yep. <laughs> Pinocchio's. Where is that? Gosford. Gosford, okay. All right, now I've got a really important one. That was just buttering you up to see if you knew where places were. So I've got an anniversary coming up. And let's assume that I can uh, get, some, get some babysitting for my kids. Where would you take your wife of eight years? Whoa, Maccas? Any adv- I knew we'd get a Maccas in here tonight. Excellent. <laughs> where else? Hay- Hayden? Eight. Number eight. Eight hat. Eight, eight at Trinity. Okay, that sounds, that sounds good. That, the reef? Wait, I don't need, I'm, that's in Queensland, isn't it? <laughs> Which one? Terrigal. Terrigal. We've got the reef at Terrigal. Eight at something. Which one's fancier? The <laughs> bar. I love it. I love it. So let, let's just imagine eight at Trinity. I'm going with that one. That sounds fancy. 
Yeah, it sounds expensive too. I did, did, did think that too. What, yeah, yeah well you don't just need to express love with money, but sometimes it does help. Um, so let's just imagine I've got my anniversary coming up with my wife. I'm like, you know, I've got this great recommendation from the very wise, cultured people at uh, nvbc.pm. Uh, and so I ring up and I say, Aid at Trinity, I've got this amazing, ah, oh, man, my wife is going to love being here. We're going to have so much fun here uh, connecting. And I'm on the phone to them. They say, oh, absolutely. You should see our menu at the moment. They send it through to me. Oh, my goodness. I'm salivating just at the thought. This is going to be amazing. They send me photos of the ambience and the view out there. You get to see something out of the window? Water views, excellent, as I would expect and I would hope, no less, of course. Yeah, the view's going to be amazing. The food's going to be amazing. So good. I'm like, great. Can you book us into a table for two? And then on the phone, they say, of course, sir. Of course, we can, we can accommodate two people on this night. There's just one problem. We can't sit you at the same table. <laughs> but I've heard the place is really great. I'm sure my wife would love it. Sounds like the kind of place I'd be into. Do you think I'm booking for the two of us at my anniversary? Hang on, we're only married eight years, okay? <laughs> Absolutely not. Of course not, because the point is to connect. And so I want to make this point really clearly at the front. When we talk about the secret place, it's not so much the place that's important, but it's the connecting that's important. It's just this idea that wherever we go and that whatever time we spend there, we spend it connecting with God. That is, that is the point. Uh, and the physical place sometimes does help. You know, I wouldn't recommend 5, 4.55, sorry, in the foyer of NVBC is a great time to go into the secret place because all of us are going to walk past you and ask how your weekend's been, right? So there is something about the physical space that's important to find a quiet place where we're going to be uninterrupted and it's totally fine to find a place that's going to help us connect with God, whether that might be walking on the beach or going into the mountains or, as Jesus said, going into our room and closing the door just so that we can be with God. So in the secret place, that's the place that we can deeply connect with God. The psalmist talking about being in the presence of God writes this, God, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Do you spend time in the secret place, being with God, experiencing him, connecting with him? That is the point of this time. It's not about fulfilling religious obligations or trying to impress one another about how Christian and righteous we are. But it's that heart's desire to draw near to the one that we love. And I see this really beautifully in Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration, where he sees Jesus revealed for who he is. And I think that's part of what happens in these times with God in a secret place. He sees Jesus revealed as who he is, and his first response is, can we stay here a little bit longer? get a tent? Can we make it comfortable? I just, I want to dwell here in this secret, sacred place of encounter, away from the crowds, away from the mission, even away from the 12, just being near the one that he loves, seeing him as he truly is. Do you run? Do you spend time? Do you dwell in the secret place, my friends? It's not about the place. It's about the connection with God.
I was wondering if we could do a little physical challenge today. Not myself, obviously. I'm well and truly out of shape. Um, so do I have any volunteers to do a little physical challenge up the front? Yeah, come on, Mikey. Come on, bro. Come on down. Yeah, yeah. No, a few. I need a few. I need, I need a competitor for Mikey. Come on, come and get in training for those lawn bowls, guys. Or, yeah. I don't even know who Patrick is. Where's Patrick? <laughs> You're up, buddy. <laughs> you take him? Courtney. All right. Dylan? All right. Oh, come on, one more, guys. I'm going to get bored up here. I'm getting lonely. Can't just have a head-to-head. -head. That's too competitive. We've got a third. Come on, a third. Somebody who's... Oh, Adam Burden. Where are you, mate? Come on. Yes, called out. Oh, yes. Actually, and Georgia too. Come on, are you out there somewhere? <laughs> no, are you working? Nah. <laughs> Can we give him some encouragement? <laughs> Beautiful gentlemen, uh, the challenge is really simple. I want to see you plank. And I want to see who can plank the longest. Yep. Yeah. All right, ready, second. Can we, can, we, can we cheer them on? Can we cheer them on? That's all right, excellent. Now, I was looking up this uh, today, and it's got nothing to do with my message, but the Guinness World Record for the longest plank. Anyone know how long it is? Nine and a half hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping these guys don't last that long, or this will be also the Guinness Book of Records' longest sermon. Um, but I want you to imagine... I want you to imagine uh, that this is what daily life is like. You're giving out energy. You know what it's like, isn't it? When you live for Jesus publicly, when, you, when you're serving, when you're ministering, uh, it, it takes energy, it takes concentration, uh, it takes commitment. Jeez, these guys are a lot fitter than I am. <laughs> you're doing well. You're really getting into it. All right, I've picked people who are too competitive. <laughs> Amazing. How are the muscles feeling, Dylan? Great. Great? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Comfortable. He's comfortable. Mikey, how about you, my friend? No. No, no not so comfortable. Adam, how are we doing over there? Pretty good, mate. Pretty good. You guys are, man. You guys are, you guys are on plot. All right. I should have handpicked some other people, maybe, somewhere. <laughs> okay, you guys, you guys can drop now, if you like. <laughs> We'll call it a draw. You all win. Everyone's a winner here. Everyone's a winner. <laughs> but I want to imagine, I want to imagine that we stayed here until they went to failure, right? And, until, no, no, you, well, maybe you can be my prop. Imagine, imagine that Dylan, he was the first to fall, all right? Uh, he was the first to fall. He's gone, he's gone to failure. Can you imagine if I then said to Dylan, all right, what I need you to do right now is I need you to go again. Straight away, would you plank again? Would you get in position again or would you go again? And then he goes all the way to failure and you go, okay, now I need you to go again. No, I need you to go again. I need you to go again. I need you to keep going. No rest, no respite, no drink, no food, no sleep overnight. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. You would say, Travis, that is unsustainable, right? That's unsustainable. That doesn't make any sense. His performance, if you like, is going to get worse and worse and worse, because he actually needs to rest, he needs to rejuvenate in order to find a sustainable rhythm to get the best out of him. Well, I think when it comes to living for Jesus, it is unsustainable to think that we will live our lives publicly for Jesus, going day, day by day, week by week, month by month, 
without spending time in the secret place. That it's actually time spent one-on-one with God that sustains, that gives energy for the way that we live for Jesus publicly, in our relationships, in our interactions with others, in our workplace, in our ministries. To live for Jesus without spending time with Jesus is unwise and it's unsustainable. The Gospel writers record that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, they're not casting shade on the kind of places that Jesus went to. What they're saying is Jesus went to be alone with the Father. He went to the secret place. He went often. He knew that his pace of life would be unsustainable apart from those times where he goes and he reconnects and he just communes with and spends time in the presence of God. And coming out of that place, we see that he has such a clear understanding of who he is and what God is calling him to do. It sustains, it motivates, it fuels his public life and ministry, that sacred, precious, personal time spent alone with God in the secret place. And so there's one instance um, on the board there of Jesus talking about things that satisfy and sustain him. Uh, it's not just food. And um, there's another one in, in John 12 where he, he talks about, I don't say anything that I haven't heard the Father tell me to say. Where does he hear that from? Spending time with God. Not unthinkingly in his own strength going day to day. Time spent in the secret place will sustain you. Also, I think time spent in the secret place is the place where we draw our strength and we can actually find direction. Uh, there's a, a story, and it's not a particularly lovely story, in the Old Testament. It's um, in the book of 1 Samuel and, and chapter 30. Um, and if you're familiar with King David and his mighty men, these are this sort of band of, of military guys who are incredibly loyal to David. And they go around doing the kinds of things that you need to do in the ancient Near East thousands of years ago, fending off enemies and, um, and making sure that their territory remains safe for all the inhabitants. Uh, and by the time you get to 1 Samuel chapter 30, uh, David and his military guys, they're off doing something else. And all of their wives and children are in this city called uh, Mizpah. Let's get that right. Ziglag. Not even close. <laughs> Ziglag. <laughs> Maybe that's where the other guys were. Ziglag. And they're all there. And so for whatever reason, they kind of get this sense or they hear this word that, man, something's gone down in, in Ziglag. And there's no military transport, there's no trucks, there's no horses, they're not, not a particularly rich nation, there's no helicopters. These guys hoof it back on their feet. For days, they march towards this city. And 1 Samuel chapter 30 just records that David and his men, they reached Ziglag on the third day. Third day of absolutely busting their gut to get home as quickly as possible to make sure that everything is okay with all of their food provisions and military provisions and sleeping provisions, no doubt fueled incredibly by adrenaline, not doing enough sleep, just trying to get home as fast as they possibly can. And, and they get there, and they see that the city is ruined, it's been burned to the ground. The Amalekites had raided it and taken captive the women and everybody else in it, young and old. They arrived to this absolute ghost town that's been destroyed by fire, all of their wives, all of their women, all of the inhabitants of Ziglag, gone, carried off into captivity. 
And we read this in chapter 4. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no more strength left to weep. No more strength left to even cry. That's how done these guys are. How at the end of themselves they are. That's how distraught they are. How ruined they are by this idea. And so David's there and he's sitting there with obviously this incredible grief and loss at the loss of his own wives and children. Completely and utterly exhausted physically, emotionally, mentally. On top of that, he's the leader. He's made the decisions that have meant that he and his men have not been here when the city was attacked. And so he's probably sitting there with all manner of self-doubt. Did I really hear God? Was I doing the right thing in, in leading the guys out from here? He probably feels like a failure. And then we read that because the other guys are so distraught, they actually turn on him. These guys who are renowned for being loyal to David no matter what. David was greatly distressed, verse 6, because the men were talking of stoning him. That's how bitter in spirit, because of his sons and daughters, they were. And then we just get this little phrase, this little turning point. It says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Now, it doesn't say how that happened or what David did. But in some way, shape, or form, David went and spent time in the secret place. Not around his men, not around the circumstances, but just connecting with God. And he draws strength from that experience. And he reaches and he asks one of the priests to get this, um, this cloak that they kind of wore when they asked of God, because he's like, no, God, you're in this. You're going to lead us out of this. Shall I do this? Uh, and God's voice comes and gives direction. What should you do? You should do this. And David and his men get up uh, and they do it. And it's a Hollywood, uh, it's a Hollywood story. They catch up to the, to the enemies. They, they get their captives back and a whole bunch of other plunder and stuff like that as well. But this time spent in the secret place is where we draw our strength and where we can find our direction. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've been at the end of myself uh, and no amount of words from other people, no amount of self-talk or trying to draw it out of myself uh, can do anything near what spending time one-on-one -on -one with God can. As I connect with Him, as I pour my heart out to Him, as I say, God, what would you have me do next in response to whatever it is? God meets us in that place and he gifts to us his strength and he guides us and he leads us through life. But I wonder how much of that guidance and direction and wisdom we miss when we just power on and don't stop to go and be with him for ourselves. In the secret place, we tune our hearts to God. beautiful psalm, Psalm 86. Teach me your way, Lord, that I, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. We tune our hearts to God. I don't know how you experience the presence of God in your life when you go away and you just get to be with him, uh, but for me, this has often been the ministry. This has been the fruit. This has been my experience, that actually as I stop and I pray and I connect with him, that my heart is realigned, that my thoughts are reshaped, 
that my priorities actually kind of shift back into kingdom priorities. I can't tell you the ways, that, the amount of times where it's just been one-on-one with God where I've heard his gentle voice of correction or felt that gentle nudge of conviction, so much so, more so than in a Bible study discussion or, or even sitting in church listening to a sermon. But it's been those times spent with him where I've heard his voice and it's relined my heart and it's shaped my behaviour, it's shifted my priorities into the ways of the things of God. Do you run to be with God? Do you spend time with him in that secret place for the fruit, the benefit, the overflow of that? There is simply no substitute. Well, I started with a story involving my son. I'd love to end with one as well. It actually just came from this morning. I was standing there during, that time, during our time of, of worship, and I had my eyes closed because that's how spiritual I am. Uh, no, it's because that's how good the worship was this morning. I was just caught up to it. Uh, I was, I was worshipping God. And I felt, I felt somebody come and just, just tap my legs. And so I looked down, and, and there's my little son, Josiah. He's, he's run from over there where he was sitting with mum all the way over, over to there. Don't ask me why we sit on opposite sides of the church. Maybe that's why we need an anniversary dinner. Um, <clears throat> and he just looks up at me and throws his arms up. Now, in that moment, do you think I was really disappointed that mm, the worship was being distracted by my son? Hopefully not. Hopefully you know me better than that. So I reach down, I pick up Josiah, and he nuzzles into my neck. And we just have a moment where we're absolutely giving each other the biggest boy hug you can possibly imagine while I continue worshipping God and just went, wow, how what a sacred experience of actually getting to love my son and love my father in this moment and in this way. I want to share that one because I think one of the most important things about the secret place is not just what we get out of it, but it's this, that God is waiting for us there, that God is wanting us to meet with him, that God is longing for us to connect with him. Like a loving earthly father, he is our loving heavenly father, and he doesn't want us to come to him only in times where we gather together in a church building. He doesn't want us to come to him out of trying to impress people like the things that Jesus was speaking about, those who who prayed on on the street corners to be heard by others. He wants us to draw near to him because he wants to meet with us. And I think there is no higher expression of that than the truth that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit, that God has literally come to live with us because he wants to be with us and near us to have us dwell in his presence and connect with him forever. Do you spend time in the secret place? Do you run there? Do you dwell there? Do you have a pattern of withdrawing from the world just to be with the one who loves you, God, your heavenly Father? I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for me and for these times that we spend one-on-one with him. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much that you are a good and a loving and a personal God. A God who has drawn near in the person and work of Jesus. A God who has come to live in us by the presence of your Holy Spirit. Forgive us, Lord, I pray for the times where we've taken that for granted. Where we have felt 
too busy to meet with you. And we've run around, running our own lives, trying to do things in our own strength, by our own cleverness, still with this background desire that we love you and we want to live for you, but not spending time with you. Father, I pray that we would be a people marked by a love for being with you, who desire to connect with you, who desire to sit at your feet, who desire to hear and listen to your voice. God, that we would be the kind of people that run to meet with you, to, to share things that are exciting, that we'd run to go and be with you when we have a key decision to make, that you would be the first person that we go to to share our hurt, to ask for your forgiveness so God would you teach us would you teach us the ways of Jesus to regularly find a pattern and a rhythm of withdrawing and going simply to be with you God would you protect that in our lives I pray and every time we go to be in that place the secret place that place where we are just one on one unseen with you Lord would you meet us there would you speak afresh over us of your goodness and your kindness, your mercy and your presence in our lives. And let us rise from there and live the rest of the day from the overflow of spending time with you. You are the source, Lord. The source of the living water that truly satisfies. We can find it nowhere else. And so we run to you. We run to be with you. Fill us up every time we do, I pray, Lord. Amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.